So welcome everybody. Uh, this is Benita here to discuss how to discover and live your purpose. That seems like a really big question. But what I want to point out to you is that life is always pointing out your purpose. But actually living it means taking risks, stepping into the unknown and letting go of control. Your purpose shows up in where you have failed, how you have suffered, where you find joy, and what will allow you to die without regret. Again, that seems like really, really heavy stuff, but I'm going to elaborate on that. We come into this world, this expansive, loving awareness. And from the moment we're born, we're tattooed with the beliefs of our tribe from birth. So what that means is that our parents, our teachers, our society projects on us who we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to act, what we can expect for ourselves and what we can expect from ourselves. So at first we adapt, you know, you're a little kid, you want to fit in with your family. So when mom and dad say, this is what we expect of you, any of your core that would operate differently gets suppressed. So maybe you're this really flamboyant child who has a lot to say, and you're in a household that prizes children being quiet and obedient. You might shut down the more flamboyant, rambunctious part of yourself. It doesn't mean that part doesn't exist, but you have tucked it away nicely and eventually you've taken those ideas projected on you by your parents and your community and you bought into them. And that's when we create a persona or ego. We develop that set of ideas and we eventually come to believe that that is who we are. But let's face it, it's not. It's just some ideas we've bought into. So some of you who've attended my workshop, How to Be a Bad Girl, Break the Rules and Move on to Your Real Life, know what I'm talking about. And in that workshop, I've said to you, you know, do you want your parents' life? And a few hands always go up. And I say to those folks, then live the life that your parents have. They're going to be proud of you and you're going to enjoy the life you create. But if you don't want their life, and most of us don't, not because there's anything wrong with it, but simply we grew up in a different paradigm, then why are you trying so hard to get their approval? And this is what we spend most of our lives doing, trying to get the approval, the acceptance of people around us by modifying our behavior to suit either what they've told us are their desires or what we think they are. So there's a lot of eventually inculcated self-judgment around that to the point that I call it um, shooting the horse before it even gets out of the starting gate. So often we will shoot down our own ideas, our own dreams to fit in. And when we do that, we're no longer living on our purpose. In fact, when we've blocked off those parts of ourselves long enough, we no longer are in communication with them and we don't really know what's important to us anymore. Not on a deep visceral level, it will sneak in from time to time. And you may notice it as, as fear, as 
anger, as uncertainty, something in you feels off. And most of the time, we just make sure we stay too busy to notice. So there's this underlying tension within us that says something's not being met. Think back to when you were a little kid. Do you remember that feeling? Always feeling like there's something magical just around the corner? Like there's something important you came here to do? Like someday you're going to grow up and you're going to do that important thing? I think unless they've gone through a significant amount of trauma, most children have that feeling because they're still connected to the universe from which they came. They're still connected to that overall oneness, that connection with that magic. And they feel it inside themselves. They feel that seed that wants to grow, that spark that wants to turn into a fire. But over time, people adapt to what they saw their parents do. So mom and dad would go to work, often doing a job that pays the bills, but doesn't necessarily enthuse them. They're not excited to be going to do it. So we learned that work is something you do to survive. And if you're in survival mode, how can that spark catch fire? How can you find that magic? So we lose our sense of purpose. And I do believe that life is always pointing you to your purpose, but we just don't know how to read the signs. So I've got some notes to my right I'm going to refer to because I wanna make sure I give you everything that I can about this, um, this, this way of accessing your purpose and finally starting to live it. So I said to you, your purpose is where you have failed. I have a wonderful little book here. I highly recommend it. I don't know if you can really see the title in this light. It's called Fail, Fail Again, Fail Better by Pema Children. This was actually her address to the graduating class one year at Naropa University. And this is what she says about failure, among other things. It's a little hard to tell what's a failure and what's just something that is shifting your life in a whole new direction. So say, for example, you've been taught that there's a certain way you are supposed to be as a person. There's a certain career you're supposed to aspire to. And maybe you're just not very good at those things. I believe that if you fail time and again at something, there's a very good chance that you're simply heading in the wrong direction. Or if you find a door keeps closing on you, you're trying to accomplish something and it's not happening, you're probably not knocking on the right door. For example, I remember at one point when I was just starting to get into, um, I've, I've always done the work I do now, I've been doing it since I was 18 years old, but making it a full-time profession took me more time. There's a lot of other hats I've worn in between um, while always doing the psychic work. But there was a point where I wanted to go into palliative care and I tried to sign up for the course and I was blocked from doing so. And I kept wondering, why am I not being allowed to do this? So I had to let go of it. And that's where the surrender comes in. Surrendering to where you're being guided instead of continuing to hammer on a door that's closed. Interestingly enough, I'm now associated with a death doula organization and I do work with people who are in palliative care. 
I just do it differently. I do it the way I'm supposed to be doing it, not through the formal training that I was originally looking for. So sometimes when we surrender, we do get to come to that thing, just not the way we thought we would be doing so. It might be a more circular path. If you're failing at something, ask yourself, is my heart really in this? Is this something I strongly desire or feel I need to work through? Persevere, but really get in touch with the feelings around it. So for example, when my intuition said I needed to learn to ride a motorcycle, a lot of me had a lot of fear around that. It still scares me. I ride a big bike. But there's a part of me that this is really important to. So even though I struggled to learn, I persevered and I eventually got my license and really enjoy my rides. But if you're persevering at something you're really not enjoying, then become aware of that and be willing to let go. Sometimes it's our ego that's attached. I said I would do this. I'm a quitter if I don't. Or this is important to somebody in my life. I should therefore do it. But if your heart's not in it, you can't bring to it the energy that's required. Lovely friend of mine, Dr. Susan Bialy, when she was getting her training as a doctor, her heart wasn't in it. She really wanted to become a flamenco dancer. She did eventually become a doctor, but she became a flamenco dancer. And now she writes books about following your dreams because when she was just focused on being a doctor, it was depressing. It's my understanding from um, having interviewed her for a magazine article at one time. And she had to look at that depression and ask herself, why am I depressed? And once she lived her dream, she also had the energy to be a doctor, but she had to address that part of her that wanted to dance. We don't have to be one thing. We can be many things, but to have the energy to be what we're here to be, we have to listen to and honor what is inside of us. And that might mean stepping into something that intimidates you. The part of you that has the big dream will have to also acknowledge that there's parts of you that are afraid of that dream because it might mean being more visible. It might be stepping into the unknown. It might be taking risks. Okay. How you have suffered. A lot of people have gone through trauma in their lives or they've made mistakes. So I might be working with somebody that is overcoming an addiction. And people can be really hard on themselves when they're dealing with something where they feel like they took a wrong turn in life. I feel there are no wrong turns if you take that opportunity to learn from that experience and recognize it's giving you something you can now offer other people. If you've gone through relationship breakdown, if you've struggled with raising your children, if you've been through something in your life where you look back on it now and go, wow, I made some mistakes along the way. You can beat yourself up for that. Or you can say, what have I learned from that? And now how is that life education useful in my being supportive of others? Every one of us is going to fall on our faces from time to time. And we can either decide this makes me less worthwhile, I'm going to hide from the world, 
or we can say, this has now given me knowledge and wisdom and experience I didn't have before. And now I have more to offer the world. So I live by the mantra, I'm always doing the best I can with what I know so far. So as life is showing us our purpose, it's going to take us into difficult circumstances. It's going to give us difficult people to deal with. Don't avoid the petty tyrants in your life. They're your best teachers. They're going to trigger whatever is inside of you that needs to grow. And you can tread very carefully through life and try to experience as little pain and discomfort and inconvenience as possible. Or you can dive right in, have the full experience, grow from it, and keep nurturing the magic inside of you that has a purpose. And the ones who really stir that are the people who challenge you the most. They shake things up. The people that we're most comfortable around, while they're nice to have around and they're nurturing, they will not necessarily inspire your greatness. It's the ones who challenge you that shake up whatever is inside of you that you suppressed as a child. And you need all of you to live your purpose. You need your fear. You need your grief. You need your anger. These are just emotions, and emotions are energy in motion. So when you free them up, when you embrace all of them and you help them come to consciousness and you integrate them, you actually have more awareness. You make better decisions. You're clear on what your path looks like when you've worked through all these feelings and brought them to consciousness. So often in our society, we're taught just to think and not to feel. No wonder we get confused. No wonder we lose our sense of purpose. We're trying to figure it out. And that's actually not how we're designed to operate. We're designed to operate from our emotional intelligence with our intellect carrying out the dictates of our heart. So if you don't know what your heart feels, how can you be on purpose? You don't know what your purpose is because you're not feeling your way into things. So checking in with what's inside of you, honoring that and listening to that is going to help you find your purpose. I think of it this way. The conditioned mind comes from fear and grasping. Am I going to get what I need? How are people going to treat me? What does that person think of me? What's going to go wrong? And that's coming from a belief that our reality happens to us. And it's actually quite the opposite. We live in a quantum universe. Our reality is generated from us. So when you come from original mind, there's no fear and there's no grasping. Original mind is just conscious awareness. It's just observing. And from a place of observation without attachment, our actions come from a clarity, come from purpose. We live in a society that says, don't just sit there, do something. So there's a lot of times that we just react, react, react. And then we look back and realize, wow, that didn't get me where I thought it would, because we didn't sit still long enough and check in. So you're offered that job. Do you take it because, hey, I'm going to make money with that? Or do you check in and say, does this feel like where I'm supposed to be? 
does this feel like the right direction for me? And so often we're just afraid to feel that we just stay busy, like gerbils on a wheel. I'll just keep taking action. I'll just act, I'll just act, I'll just figure it out. I'll just figure it out as I go along. And we never sit still long enough to check in. And that's where the observer comes in. You step back, you look at your situation and you ask yourself, is this my path? There was a time in my life where I was in an unhappy relationship, an unhappy work situation. And I felt really lost. So I said to the universe, put me on my path. I am willing to walk away from every relationship, career, and home situation that is not my path. And then I surrendered. A lot of times people will place intention and then they try to control how that intention works out. And that's not surrender because my limited ego consciousness didn't know where I needed to go next. So I just put it out to the universe. And within months, my relationship ended. And within another year or so, I had changed my career and then I moved out here from Ontario. So now I am in BC almost a decade now living the life I've always wanted, doing the work that matters most to me. But I had to first surrender and step into the unknown. And I had to be willing to move across the country to a town I'd never lived in and start a business from scratch all over again and trust my path. So the original mind comes from clarity and service. It comes from a place of knowing this is the magic I'm here to offer. This is the spark that I need to bring into the state of a fire. And that means I have to let go of controlling. I have to let go of figuring it out before I take the leap. And intuition gives you information on a need to know basis. So my intuition didn't say pack up everything and move across the country because here's the job, here's the place you're going to live. No, it was just go, just go and trust. And not everybody has to make that big a leap, but every day you have an opportunity to check in. What's my path in this situation? And then trust. And the challenge here is that your ego has been getting what's the word I want to use for this? It's, it's really been hardwired to be the most operative, loudest voice inside of you for many years now. And it will say, but you should do this. If you do that, you're taking a risk. When I first moved here, I would go out and meet people. I'd go to referral groups. I'd go home at night and stew in my own terror because my ego was freaking out. Egos will do that when you pull the rug out from under them and take away everything they know. The ego likes to go, these are my friends. This is where I live. This is what I do. This is who I am. And when you remove all of that, the ego doesn't know what to do. It's got nothing to hang its hat on. But for me, I had to just sit with that terror. I had to accept that there was a part of me that was scared, but it wasn't who I was. It was the conditioned mind. And the conditioned mind is not who you are. It's a bunch of ideas you've been trained to believe is you. You've been trained to identify 
as you? How can you live on purpose if you're believing only that piece of consciousness that's in a way been created by other people? When you come from your original mind, it already knows its purpose. It's unfluttered or unflustered by everything going on around you. It's just observing. It never loses its clarity. It's about starting to work from that place inside of you so that you know, oh, yes, this is my next step. And a lot of people, when they're talking about purpose, they're looking for the big purpose they came here to live their entire life. It's not necessarily going to show up that way. Your career may change. Where you live may change. Relationships may change. But it's about living in this moment your purpose. And it may unfold into a bigger story. But if you're looking for the bigger story, without taking the step that's just in front of you, you may never get there. And I, but if you don't take the next step, you may never know what the big story is. I never had intention, but walking in downtown Kingston one day, shopping with a friend, a voice in my head as we passed a yoga studio said, go in there and say you want to work there. Now, my limited ego consciousness made of that, well, I've, left my job to do this work full-time. I suppose I could get free classes at a yoga studio if I worked at the front desk. And I might meet some people who might like what I do. So I knocked, you know, I opened the door and there's the owner standing in the doorway. And I said, hi, I want to work here because that's what I was told to say. And she said, after talking to me, I'll put you at the front desk. But I sense you could hold space for a class. I want you to become a yoga teacher. This woman has talked to me for 10 minutes. And by the way, I was in my late 40s at the time and had spent the two previous years walking with a cane because of back injuries. I was not exactly a candidate to be a yoga teacher, but she was intuitive and she sent something. And here it is 10 years later and I still teach yoga. So you never know what the universe is going to show you. And it was my foot in the door when I moved to BC. I started out teaching at yoga studios. And then got offices and got clients and it, everything opened up, but it started out with yoga. I had no idea that by becoming a yoga teacher, it was going to open doors to my work as a psychic coach. I couldn't see that from there. I just took that first step. That's all you have to do. Don't worry about step 10. Just take the first one. Then the next one will show up. You will be guided, but you have to be willing to listen to your intuition. Everybody's psychic. Everybody gets intuitive hits, but most of the time people ignore them because it's telling them to leave that uncomfortable relationship, leave that work situation that's not working. Try that new thing that takes you outside your comfort zone that you might not be good at right away. When I was learning to ride a motorcycle, I was under it more than I was on top of it at first. Other people were mastering it with ease. I struggled, but I knew it was my path to do it. And that's the thing. When you come from that knowing, you can step into the unknown. It just doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be comfortable. Your intuition will not always lead you to things that are easy. It'll lead you into what's difficult, but underlying that, that's where your magic is found. So where there is joy, there is flow. 
so often we're doing something because we've been conditioned to do it. It might not be what we love. A lot of times when people come to me looking for career change, they're coming from a very common mindset. How do I make money? Switch it around. What do you love? Now, how do you monetize that? This is the interesting thing is that when we're vibrating at a low frequency, we're usually coming from lack. How do I survive? How do I make this work? And when you're coming from lack, you get more lack. We get what we focus on. When you're coming from a place of wanting to help, wanting to be of service, loving what you do, you are naturally aligned with abundance. That's the level at which abundance vibrates. When we're vibrating at a high frequency of love, which by the way is our essential nature, we are aligned with the purpose of the universe. We're aligned with source. We are naturally open to receiving everything we need to do the thing we came here to do unless we have blocks to receiving it. And that is more often than not what I see. A person might've found what they love. They now need to work through the subconscious patterns that say it's selfish to let yourself receive. And that is so often the case. And I say, no, no, it's selfish to not let yourself receive. Because when you can receive in abundance, you can give in abundance the full well overflows and offers energy to others without that person losing energy, which means you always have more energy to give. You've got to be willing to fill up your well. The universe wants to support you doing what you came here to do. And if you're not sure what that is and you need more tools, that's where I come in because I can tap into your subconscious wisdom and help you get that information. But it's really being willing to say yes to yourself, yes to what is inside of you that has always wanted to come out in the fresh air and breathe and act, do the things you came here to do. But it might mean being visible. It might mean being accountable, taking action, doing something that's outside of your comfort zone. I think of J.P. Sears. So those of you who've seen his videos, he's got long flaming red hair. He often wears a purple bandana around his head. And he does a lot of videos that poke fun at spirituality. And he wrote a book, How to Be Ultra Spiritual. So you can see the humor in that. He started out as an emotional healing coach. And the humorous side of him was his alter ego. For a long time, he was afraid to show that part of himself to the world because he thought people would reject it. He thought it would hurt his business as a coach. He thought he'd lose his credibility, so he hid it. And yet when he finally let it out, people loved it so much, it completely shifted his career and now he's known internationally. He let out his magic. He stopped judging it. He stopped imprisoning it. And it's, it's brought him out into the light so he can help a lot more people because he let that part of himself up. If you were on your deathbed today, 
What would you most regret never having done or tried? A lot of times we don't want to think about how our lives might end. And what is coming out of the current situation is it's causing more people to think about that. Because unfortunately, there is a virus floating around the planet that can strike very quickly and take you down very fast. And rather than live in fear of it, we can say, okay, in every moment, the universe is giving me exactly what I need for my spiritual journey. So looking at it that way, what if this is the year that your life ends? What have you been putting off? What have you always wanted to do? Now, admittedly, there are some restrictions if it's involving travel. That doesn't mean you can't be seriously looking into where you want to go, what you want to do, planning your itinerary so that when it's time, you've placed the intent and you're going. And sometimes when intent is placed, a lot of things are going to unfold that you never expected because you placed that intent. When I was 20 years old, I placed the intent that the year I turned 50, I was going to Tibet. It was the only place in the world I ever really wanted to go. I don't know why I chose the age of 50, but on some level, that's the year my intuition gave me and I went with it. I had no idea that in placing that intent, it was going to unfold a life that when the intent was placed, I was living in Ontario. I had no idea that I would be living that much closer to Tibet when it was time to go and that I would have this completely different life at the age of 50. So that the year I turned 50, I remembered that intent. I booked my trip and I went. And it was life-changing for me. So part of placing intent is surrender, letting go of how it's going to come about, trusting that in placing that intent, it ripples out into the fabric of the universe and it causes other events to occur so that not only are you set up to fulfill that intent, but you have shifted internally so that you can generate the reality that completes that intention. And that's an important thing to understand when it comes to living your purpose. If you are asking, what is my purpose? The universe is going to give you signs. Are you paying attention? Are you willing to see them? Are you willing to change something fundamental about how you are living your life in order to fulfill that intent. We all have something inside of us that wants to show up in the world, that wants to contribute. Most of the time though, we don't want to be uncomfortable. So we ignore that niggling voice inside of us that says what you're doing right now just isn't it or you're not in the right place. I had to be willing to leave everything and everybody I knew, go to the other side of the country where my children weren't, my children were all grown, 
when I moved out here, but I had to leave everything and everybody I knew to find the life I was actually supposed to have. I had to be willing to be shaken to the core, to step completely into the unknown. I'm not saying everybody has to do that, but a lot of times we're trying to stay comfortable. We're playing it safe. And I always say there's two kinds of people in the world, those who are truly alive and those who are just trying not to die. At the end of your days, do you wanna go, I made it? Or do you wanna look back and say, wow, I did everything that my soul called me to do. I did everything that really mattered to me. I had all the experiences that were important to me. I contributed in the ways that mattered to me. I did everything I came here to do. Don't die with regret. And how do you make sure that doesn't happen? You check in right now. What's the next step on my path? And then you work through whatever comes up that wants to block you from doing that because there's a very good chance that that next step involves you taking some kind of risk or stepping out into the unknown in some way. Just checking here to make sure I'm covering everything I wanna share with you today. Think back to when you were a young child. Until a child is taught fear, they're pretty good at taking risks. And they live in a magical world. I remember when my husband at the time, the father of my children, was building this massive house. And there was a ladder going up to the second story. Because the second story looked down on the first story. It was like a big balcony. And there were no rails yet. There was just a ladder propped up. And I happened to go inside. We were living in a trailer nearby while he was building the house. And here's my second born, who's maybe four or five at the time. He's climbing the ladder. And I said, son, you need to come down from that ladder. And he said, mom, Batman will save me. <laughs> Children live in this magical world. He had no fear because in his mind, a superhero was going to rescue him if something went wrong. And at one point that summer, we had a Russian willow outside and the whole tree was covered in bees. The whole tree hummed with bees and there were bees on the ground getting the nectar from the blossoms that had fallen on the ground. And I truly believed that children have the phobias we give them. So I told my children, my four children, you can go outside and play, but don't bring a popsicle or anything sweet out with you the bees will want it. Watch where you walk so you don't step on the bees. And we won't have your friends over for a little bit because they might not know how to play with the bees around. Well, my youngest son became a bit of a bee charmer. He would see a bee on a flower and he would pick it off the flower and he would put it on his wrist and he would walk around with the bee. And when he was done, he would pick it up and he'd put it back on the flower again. He never got stung, none of my kids did. He had no fear of bees because he hadn't been taught that they were something to fear. In his reality, bees were his friends. We create our reality. 
So whatever you're afraid of, on the other side of that doorway is possibility. Are you willing to ask internally, what's, this, what's the next step on my path? What inside of me wants to offer something to the world? And am I willing to get out of the way and let that shine through? Am I willing to take the actions that will take me there? Am I willing to face my limiting beliefs, my patterns that have kept me imprisoned all these years, buying into a limited idea of myself that is merely a concept and not the reality? So I want to give you an exercise. Close your eyes, get comfortable, take some slow, deep breaths. Let your shoulders drop, get very relaxed. And I'm gonna ask you to envision your original mind. See it as a figure in front of you or as light, however it appears, just whatever appears, trust the first thing you get. Just trust that that's the imagery that it's using to present itself to you. Ask it what the first step is that you need to take to align with your path. And then just sit in that limbic space and see what answer you get. I'm gonna give you a couple minutes to do that. Don't overthink this. Whatever you get, don't question it. Most of the time people say, well, I'm making that up. But why that? Why that image? Why that answer, whether you got it visually or whether you got it as words? Notice how it felt to make that connection, to get that information. Connect with the feeling of it. That's you connecting with your emotional intelligence. That's you connecting with your inner wisdom that always comes through the heart. And by the way, that voice is never going to be hypercritical. That is not how the original self is. It comes from love. But it will challenge you, will support you stepping out of your comfort zone. And sometimes the information you get might be very simple. It tends not to be flowery. It tends not to be very wordy. It tends to be very direct. And the more you ask, and the more you follow through on what you get, the more it's going to speak to you because you're listening and you're acting on it. Everybody's psychic. 
Most of us just don't want to act on it because we're going to have to do something uncomfortable. Now, I know we have time for questions and anybody who wants to jump in is absolutely welcome to. And if you are watching this after it's been recorded, you're absolutely welcome to contact me and let me know what experience you had with that exercise and any other questions you have about connecting with your purpose and acting on it. A lot of the work that I do is to help you to connect with your inner wisdom. I will look into it myself, hold up a mirror, show you what it's, it's telling you you most need to know right now. And then I will give you tools for accessing it yourself and working with it more deeply. You have a purpose and it might be an unfolding one. It may change, it may grow but you have a purpose. We are eternal beings having one of many human experiences. We all came here to become more conscious, to wake up before we die and wake up in the next life and the next life. And there is a universal purpose of loving and supporting each other. And most of the time, you know, there's different ways we are to express that love. It can be through your profession. It can be through how you interact with others. But if we don't learn to love ourselves and appreciate and accept ourselves, whatever is coming through is coming through with static. And I see we have a question here. Um, so Sean is asking, I've been working on my beliefs for a while. Will I always have to work on them or does it eventually become automatic? That is such a good question. I think it's a very North American thing to say, I'm going to see that counselor. I'm going to go to that workshop or conference and then I'm done. And then I get to go live my life. And what I find happens as a result is people tend to get very down on themselves when they come away from that event. And they might even come away with a big high. Oh, this was amazing. And then they come home and they crash when they realize, oh, I want to implement what I learned, but there's this stuff that's getting in the way and they'll beat themselves up thinking everybody else took that high and ran with it and I didn't. The reality of it is we exist in layers. I can remember half a dozen past lives where I was working on the patterns I'm working on in this lifetime. And each lifetime I've made whatever contribution I could as I worked through the patterns. I offer to you what I know so far and I keep working on myself and there will be other lifetimes where I will grow and expand even more. You know, we are always in a state of expansion. So when you let go of having done the work on the patterns and now you're free, you take a heck of a burden off of your shoulders. Instead, it's just looking at it as what's coming up for me right now. What is this situation or this person or this information from my subconscious bringing up for me right now? You will find that there are patterns that will get more and more subtle. Patterns never completely go away. They just become more subtle. I'll give you an analogy for this. This fellow is walking down a street and he falls in a hole. And he says, I've fallen in this hole and it's not my fault. That's how we are when our patterns are unconscious. We get into that relationship or career or, or situation 
and we don't know how we got there. Oh my God, how did I end up here? And when we're still unconscious, it's like, I picked the wrong relationship again. Why did I do that? Because some of those really entrenched patterns are so under the surface, don't know why we chose that. But then we start to work on them. So the guy's walking down the street. Oh, he falls in the hole again. This time he goes, I've fallen in this hole and it is my fault. In other words, he ran the pattern again because it was so strong. But this time after the fact, he was able to go, I did that. So to give you an example, if you are dating somebody, instead of going, could this be the one? You might say, this is an opportunity for me to learn about my patterns. So after you've gone out, you can say to yourself, how is that person different from the people I've dated before? How are they the same? Are you willing to look at where you are repeating your pattern? And rather than just say, well, I'm not going to date them again because there's too many similarities. Think of it as this is an opportunity to work on this pattern and to learn about myself. And you might keep dating them or you might, after a few dates, go, I learned what I needed to learn and I can move on. But take the opportunity to, for self-examination rather than just decide I made a mistake, I don't want to make mistakes, I'm not going to look at this any further. You will make fewer mistakes and they'll get subtler if you're willing to actually look at what you're doing and understand it at a deeper level. So the guy's walking down the road again. Now he sees the hole in front of him and he goes around it. It's a change in the pattern. And eventually he takes a different street. <laughs> but you can't go from falling in a hole and not knowing how you got there to just choosing a different street. There's a process. So at first, you're going to run a pattern. And after the fact, you're going to go, wow, that was a bad choice. I don't know why I didn't see that coming. But over time, as you work on it, you'll start to get to the point where you'll be going, oh, my God, I'm doing that again, but I can't seem to stop it because it's such a strong pattern. But I can see I'm doing it while I'm doing it. That's progress. Pat yourself on the back for that. And then eventually you get to the point where you can feel the pattern wanting to run and you can sit with the feeling rather than act on it. So there's three things you can do with a powerful feeling, project it, suppress it, or sit with it. So for example, I'll, gi I'll give you a real example from my life. I used to work at a university and I had a coworker who was a real hothead. So one day I go to ask her a question and she bites my head off. And I go back to my cubicle in high dudgeon. How dare she talk to me like that? And I'm sitting in my cubicle and I'm at the point where I'm starting to examine my reaction to things. So there's the part of me that's feeling very self-righteous and indignant. And there's the diplomatic part of me that's saying, you know, Benita, this is the busiest part of her work cycle. Could your question have waited? Damn it, yes. So, so I realized, you know, my fault in this case, I could have waited for a more opportune time for her instead of just wanting my answer now. So a few weeks pass and a call comes. It's a call for her. I intercept it. And it's important to give her this information right away. So I go to her. And I say, there's this call for you. I need to give you this information. And she bites my head off again. But this time I said, it was important that I give you this information. I did not deserve to be spoken to that way. Do not address me that way again. And you know what? She never did. She never spoke to me that way again. Here's what would have happened 
had I not sat in my cubicle the first time and let all my indignation come up and work through it. If I had just pushed it down inside of myself, suppressed it, I would have blown up at her the second time. Not good karma, not a way to create a solid interaction. Had I the first time just projected, I would have blown up at her then, same result, wouldn't have been very good. By sitting with the feeling, which means you let it come all the way up, you just don't let it out of your mouth, you don't suppress it, you let yourself feel all that turbulence, you're willing to look at it, that part of you gets to become conscious and it might get to work with a part that's got the bigger picture. Not a good time, Benita, your question could have waited. So now the second time, the part that had the anger came with the part that was diplomatic and they worked together to simply be clear. This time it was important I speak to you. That's not an appropriate way to talk to me. Clarity, purpose. So patterns are always going to be there. If you are willing to get uncomfortable, if you're willing to feel what is being triggered in you, when a situation is uncomfortable, you're gonna grow in leaps and bounds. It's being willing to feel it without immediately projecting it and reacting to try to control the external. Because this is what we do all the time. How often have we been in a relationship, whether it's a work one, a personal one, where we're basically saying to the other person, could you stop doing that thing so I'm not triggered? Instead of going, hmm, why am I triggered? What was inside of me that was there before I ever met this person? Because these core patterns start very early in our lives. What's inside of me that got triggered that if I were to sit with it and come to understand it and feel it completely, let it all the way up and let it be part of my life, it might get to become more conscious. It might start to work with the other parts of me that are already conscious and it might change how I respond to my life. When you shift your patterns internally, it's mirrored in your external reality. Everything changes externally because you shifted internally. That's what a quantum universe does. It reflects your consciousness. You want a life of purpose. You want to look at what's interfering, which means when an interference pattern comes up, when whatever it is, fear, anger, grief, self-judgment, judgment at somebody else, resistance, whenever it comes up, Instead of going, I shouldn't be feeling that and pushing it downside. If I was a nice person, I wouldn't be angry. If I had more courage, I wouldn't be fearful. Courage isn't being fearless. It's being scared to death and doing it anyway. <laughs> so instead of all that judgment, be curious. Oh, why am I having this big response? What is this about? What is it trying to teach me? Every part of you is trying to become conscious. And when we don't play whack-a-mole with those parts of ourselves and push them back down when they're coming up, when we create space for them to come up. Oh, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. You know, what is it you're trying to say? What do you need from me? Those parts get to become more conscious and we overall become aware. We stop reacting, reacting, reacting. We start to become the observer who goes, oh, stimulus. What's my internal response? That's interesting. Now, how do I want to externally respond to that? It's about creating space between the stimulus and the response. Instead of just reaction, and now I got to deal with the karma of how I reacted, 
It's checking in. Hmm. How am I feeling about that? And checking in. How is how what is it my path in terms of how I respond to this? What's my path in this case? For example, a lot of times we've been conditioned to just help when we're asked. I'm a bad person if I don't say yes if this person wants help. What if you weren't the person who was supposed to help? What if they were supposed to figure it out themselves? What if somebody else was supposed to help? Maybe you're distorting reality because you're just going to say yes no matter what, and you're not going to be happy about it. You're not going to be in alignment. You might even resent it because you weren't actually listening to yourself. I'll give you another example. Many, many years ago, I was at home one night. A friend called up, Benita, I'm really having a hard time. I could use a shoulder. Can you come and meet me downtown tonight? I checked in. My intuition said I wasn't supposed to be there. So I said to him, I don't sense that I'm the person you're supposed to be speaking to tonight. He said, okay. He called me the next day. He'd gone to his favorite place, you know, watering hole. A friend walked in the door. He spent the whole evening talking to that friend. Wasn't supposed to be me. And Shauna's saying, how do I deal with my partner's negative beliefs? She doesn't like to be coached. Okay. I love that question. Oh my God. I love that question. So sometimes we have to look at the fact that we're meeting the warrior first. In fact, when I'm working with my clients, I will see the warrior. I'll see that anger. And I will actually encourage them to let that part up so I can meet that part and work with it respectfully. So I would say if you've got somebody with negative beliefs um, rather than try to get them to see things positively, examine the negative belief. So this is how you see this. What's the, what are you most afraid will happen? Let's take it all the way. In other words, go deep into the belief. I sometimes find that very useful. A lot of times what we do is we try to mitigate against something bad happening by limiting what we do. It's quite different when instead you go, okay, what's the worst that could happen here? What's the possible fallout? And what would I do if that terrible thing happened? Well, if you can come up with a plan for what you would do if it did happen, now you're free because you already know what you're going to do if there's fallout. You're going to take that next action. And negative beliefs all of our subconscious patterns are designed to protect us. And they're designed from a very young age. So the pattern develops at an age where we don't have autonomy, we don't have any control, and it's still protecting us as though we're that child. So part of the work that I do with people is help them connect with the part of their psyche that feels that way and bring it to consciousness so it can look out of their eyes in the current moment, see that they're in an adult body, it's a different scenario, and now that pattern has a chance to operate differently. So one of the things is that when a person says, this is the way this is, ask them to counter with, is that so? Or is this just how I've come to see it? Is there another way of looking at this? Or even, if I didn't believe this, what else would be possible if I saw this differently? In other words, what I'm saying is rather than try to get somebody not to have their belief, get curious, explore it, 
Where, you know, what does this belief protect you from doing? What does it protect you from doing going forward? How is it trying to help you? And is it helping you or is it holding you back? In other words, you're not trying to project anything on the person. You're giving them an opportunity to examine it. And in some cases, if you're working, say, with a business partner, if they don't want to be coached, if they don't want to learn, the way they may end up learning is there are ramifications for that. But being clear about those ramifications, I can't offer you this opportunity. I can't bring you in on this as long as you see it this way. So I'm either going to have to tackle this thing myself. I want to engage you, but we need to sit down and look at what's holding you back and really explore it before I can offer you that. I hope that answers your question, Shauna. Uh, anybody else have any other questions? Um, I would absolutely love it if you want to jump in or if you want to uh, put anything else out there. And I realize that, you know, Shauna may be bringing questions other people have because they're not on with me. So um, whoever is asking the questions, thank you very much for jumping in and participating. Um, I really do appreciate it. And I appreciate the opportunity to share with you some of these ideas. Um, and in any way that you are feeling stuck or disconnected from whatever is going on inside of you, disconnected from your own inner wisdom, um, I am here to help you make that connection. We are all designed to walk our path and to follow our purpose. So often it's simply sitting still long enough and listening for the quiet voice that is underneath the loud one of our patterns of our conditioned mind. What's inside? that's calling you if you'll just sit still long enough. And what you'll notice is when you do get an intuitive hit, there's always an emotional content to that. And the emotion tends not to be elation or dread. It tends to be a centeredness like, yeah, that feels right. It tends to feel grounded. It's positive but not over the top, it's, it's balanced. And I think that certainly suits the form from which I'm speaking today. And I wanna thank Shauna for bringing questions forward from the audience and for uh, giving me this wonderful platform in which to communicate. And I really thank you for watching the video and for being here today. Namaste, I wish you